the way people are rushing to you by sending a LinkedIn message and email, hey, give me your business. It doesn't work like that. You need to build a trusting relationship. It takes few years to build the relationship and then you can probably send an email and you may get some response. Welcome to the Authentically Successful Show. I'm Carol Schultz, founder and CEO of Vertical Elevation, a talent equity and leadership coaching and advisory firm. We partner with founders and CEOs to create talent-centric organizations, either where they don't currently exist or rebuild companies into talent-centric organizations. We are committed to supporting your vision and values by creating healthy, successful companies, leveraging the best talent, retention, development, and succession strategies. Listen at the end of the show for information about becoming my next guest on one of the most important podcasts for building thriving companies. Here we go. And joining me today is Shahed Islam, co-founder and CEO of SJ Innovation, which provides IT solutions worldwide, having expertise in web and mobile development with end-to-end solutions. Shahed is a serial entrepreneur, passionate mentor, and a cross-functional global team builder. He brought e-commerce to the Bangladeshi community in the U.S. through his BD Bazaar venture in the dot-com era. And more recently, Shahed has served as the CTO of the award-winning Teacher Pay Teachers, where he implemented the technology strategy to support the high-volume consumer traffic. Shahed, welcome to the show. Thank you, Carol. So what is the biggest problem that SJ Innovation is solving for its clients? Um, so we provide you know, software solution or digital solution to the client. And a lot of clients come to us uh, because they have dealt with other companies like uh, companies like us, mm-hmm. you know, and they have communication problems. It's not that they cannot find the right developers or QA resources, but they actually do not, they are, they are frustrated with the communication mm-hmm. with the team because they are across, you know, in other countries. Some of our clients are from Europe or some of them are mostly in the U.S., and when they are dealing with people overseas, the quality and the communication is the biggest problem. So we try mm-hmm. to solve that problem for them. When you say the quality and the communication, what? why is that a problem? Um, you know, when you are outsourcing and getting a contractor to do your job, Got it. sometimes yeah. you don't provide them clear picture what exactly they need and what exactly you need to get it done. So... And mm-hmm. those developers mostly work for an agency, probably right. they're not engaged. So they pretty much just do the job. You know, it's like, okay, it's not my job. I'm just getting things done. Yes. On our case, we actually teach our developers or team member that our motto, employee happiness, generate client success. So first mm-hmm. thing we teach them about communication and yep. the quality, we train them properly. What exactly the quality means when you are delivering work to the client. And that's how we solve the problem for the client. Yeah, that's outstanding. Um, So you founded uh, the company about 18 years ago in 2004 with your wife um, and you've bootstrapped the entire organization, correct? Yes, yes. I mean, it was like me and Shaira, we got married and we wanted to travel. Yeah. Let's be very honest. And we said, you know what, we're going to do freelancing work. So we got Mm -hmm. in a smaller project and we were traveling uh, we did not have kids. So mm-hmm. we were just doing the work as a freelancer. And then mm-hmm. we realized that we made few clients very successful. 
I remember <laughs> there was a website, neighborhoodies.com. It was on New York Times and we were in Maldives or somewhere. Mm-hmm. And 3 a.m. in the morning, client called me, hey, our site is down. <laughs> so <laughs> I jumped on a call. And, and that's how things started. We yeah. were very passionate in early days to deliver success to the client. Mm-hmm. So, and everything is just started from that journey. Got it. So I, I always ask this. It doesn't often come up because uh, I don't have too many uh, too many people I interview who are in their bu- who are in business with their families. But you know, that's eighteen years of working alongside your wife. Um, what would you say have been some of your challenges working together as a married couple? And you know, some of the things that you've really been successful at at working together as a married couple. I'll start with challenges. <laughs> I think. Since you are li- living with someone, right? Yes. After 5 p.m., you still continue talking about business. <laughs> Even my younger daughter always reminds us when we are on the dinner table or we are going somewhere, <laughs> stop talking, stop talking about, about work. <laughs> yeah, that right. has been a challenge because you may mm-hmm. think that you are talking, but what happened? Then you have, mm-hmm. you mix it, mix up mm-hmm. your family life with work life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, now, advantage. I think we both understand each other. Mm-hmm. I know what is my strength and what is her strength. Mm-hmm. So her strength is more, uh, you know, in early days, let's say I was just communicating with a client, but I wasn't mm-hmm. good at writing. She would write down the user story for development team. Right. She's very good with team member. Mm-hmm. I am very good with client. So mm-hmm. I was handling more sales. She was handling customer support. And the role still, we are kind of co-CEO in the company right now. She handles HR and finance, which is more mature. And we need a stability of team of 160, where I'm still Mm -hmm. doing business development, sales, and outside initiative and culture side of it. Yeah, yeah, that's very good. Um, Do you ever, you know, other than getting your family and business life mixed up (laughs) at the dinner table, do the two of you ever have any other sort of things that you argue about at all? We argue all the time. <laughs> I mean, even Thank yesterday you. I argued with her. Um, I think we do both understand that we both have uh, weakness. Uh, there are yeah. certain areas. So argument happen all the time, but probably doesn't last long. Yeah. I think um, we somehow come to a point where you say, no, you are right and I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Or she would say, you are right and I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. And we move on. But argument yeah. has to happen. And I think not only we argue privately, we argue on the meeting. She would go to a stakeholder meeting and tell me that you haven't done that properly, your budget or you are overspending on certain project. Yeah. And that may sound bad, but I think our team member has learned that. We are becoming a good example. Now they are arguing. And you know that, Carol, without argument, on a meeting, you end up being, you know, writing in a meeting which is not effective. People well, are just talking about uh, all night. Of course. And I think it's important, Shahed, to, um, to point out that it's how you argue, right? Some people are very nasty when they argue. And that's not productive for anyone, right? No, um, no. It's, it's, all, it's all about what you say. It's not about what you say. It's, it's about how you say it. Right. So I think I, I just kind of want to want to point that out in case anybody is thinking, well, I, I don't know. I've been in a lot of arguments and they never turned out very good. It's all in how you approach the argument. Right? I think mutual respect is very important. I think I when we build our company culture, one mm-hmm. of the point, the first point is be humble. 
So regardless of whoever it is coming to meetings or other places, we cannot cross that line, right? right? We cannot use any kind of wording which will hurt people or personally attacking people. How do we say that? And we point that out. And that yeah. has worked well for us. Yeah. No, I, listen, I think that that you make a you make a really good point. Um, tell me a little bit about your journey to founding the company, uh, you know, as I said, almost 20 years ago at this point. Yeah. You know, you've, you've done a lot of stuff. You've been an investor in the past. You, you know, you were, you know, you came out of IT and so on and so forth. So let, let's hear about that to now. To, so to let, I mean, I would divide yeah. this into three parts. Like early mm-hmm. days when we started, um, we were bootstrapping um, mm-hmm. and we got some early success. Uh, but I think the biggest challenge initially it was that we were both young and when we started expanding the team, we realized that how hard to maintain the team. <laughs> yeah. uh, getting client actually wasn't yeah. that bad. Somehow we got lucky and got some client. But mm-hmm. when I was hiring people in Ukraine and India and other places, I started realizing that it is a lot harder. So we were up yes. all night sometimes explaining people. And mm-hmm. we realized that communication is a big problem. Yeah. So we had to learn um, how to communicate in their language. Yes. How to make, you know, how to understand their culture, even though I'm part mm-hmm. from that part of the world, but mm-hmm. I've been living in US for 30 years. So I was on, so I had to learn that culture again and understand that, you know, dealing with someone in Ukraine is different than dealing with someone in India or Bangladesh. Right. So that is the first part. I think the second part in from 2006 to 2010, we were growing a lot and we realized there is a growth problem. Mm-hmm. Because we both came from IT background. Right. So we had no idea about managing people, management. Mm-hmm. And that learning curve was really steep. Yeah. Um, I started reading me. a lot of books um, that time because I did not have an MBA degree. I got some good mentor. Mm-hmm. And that really helped us to set, you know, certain guidelines. And we started building team. So it wasn't our company. Right. I think early few years it was our company and then it became people stakeholder company so Mm -hmm. we started having people who has stayed with us till today Mm -hmm. we have 21 stakeholder most of them Mm -hmm. are have finished 15 years 12 years wonderful So those early founding members i would call them in second phase we started grooming them We, we started empowering them and they were taking care of the business yeah and then third phase i have to say scaling up was the hardest part yeah which took us to the next level that now that we have a structure now people's expectation is higher we mm-hmm. crossed a million dollar i think 2010 and then mm-hmm. it took us almost 10 years to cross 2 million plus oh, that is on, i mean not 10 years about 8 years yep. but from 2015 to 2022 20, i mean 20 we were actually going through scaling up so we started implementing eos um mm-hmm. the traction book Mm-hmm. And the scaling up, we started following process. So we created company culture, we created process, mm-hmm. we built management mm-hmm. team, you know, goals and objective, everything what bigger company used to run. But nowadays, I think a lot of our industry, uh, people are following those process. So those standard has been set in the last five years. And that was probably the hardest part mm-hmm. of doing it. 
You know, you you mentioned that management was a very steep learning curve and you started reading a lot of books and, you know, the stage three, you know, the the EOS process, EOS processes and putting them into place. Did you did you move through all of this just by reading books or, you know, because I don't believe, you know, as an author myself, <laughs> you know, I, I've called myself out in my own book that a book is not going to solve all your problems. Nope. It because does not. you can't interact think, with a book. So did yeah. you also bring in experts in these areas to help you with this? Make sure you were on the right track. Give you coaching, advice, whatever that might be. I had a lot of people along the way to help me. I mean, I'm just saying that initial period, one yeah. thing I did, I used to go to Cora and search for the problem I was facing, how to motivate team member. And John Maxwell was my Patrick Lynch on his book, like yeah. I was rereading the book and applying the technique which I read online to people. Along the way, I met a lot of mentors, uh, business coaches. Sometimes they're not officially hired, but people I knew, I mm-hmm. would go and talk to them. Even a hotel owner I know, I would say, how do you do that? And mm-hmm. that curiosity actually helped us build the company. And we both actually took a lot of people advice. We are good listener when people mm-hmm. give us advice and stuff, thinking that we are always right. So that mm-hmm. helped us. And I think our team member also started learning and that that kind of uh, nailed mm-hmm. down. But you are right, I think. Uh, but book reading is actually a good thing to that. Oh, see what is coming on your I way. I agree. I mean, yeah. Listen, there's no question. Because books, like I said, as an author, books are important. And, and they often bring into your conscious something that was living in a blind spot, right? Exactly. So- I mean, if I did not even- yeah, Go if on. I did not read about Blue Ocean Strategy, I would know that what is Blue Ocean Strategy. Right. So I did not use the Blue Ocean Strategy or BCG metrics after reading the book for 10 years. Yeah. Of CodeDX, right? It's actually, you have to start reading a lot and listening to the podcast. And sometimes when you are going to a meeting, you realize, oh my God, we have the same problem as that book. Yeah, that's really And I went back to the book and find solution. Mm-hmm. Of, of all the people who helped you on your way, I'm, I'm just kind of curious because I've, I've got something I might want to ask you about. What percentage of those people just, you know, you said you went to a lot of your friends and so on. What percentage of the people that you went to for help did work, you know, just gave you free advice versus what percentage, if any, did you actually pay to come in and help you? Um, so early days, I did not pay anyone. I could not afford or mm-hmm. I thought it was right. helpful. Um, right. I, I would say last five years, I actually paid multiple people good. for their yeah, time. Yeah, that's good to hear. Um, I have mm-hmm. a business coach, Tariq Khan, who's been working with us. He's a professional right. coaching advisor, and he has been working with us for five years. Um, mm-hmm. He has been very effective to not only mentor me and my team, sometimes coming in and talking about certain mm-hmm. ideas. So yeah, I think fantastic. paying for coaching is very, very important. If you want to go to the next level because yeah. a lot of time I actually told team member, I mean, certain member who wants to go to the next step and they think that they can solve the problem. I said, a coach is someone who can talk to you and see that what is your weakness and tell you that, you know, mm-hmm. this is your weakness. You know the solution, but you don't know what is the weakness you have it. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and I, I would, I would just, I would agree with that only in part because a, a coach's job isn't really to tell you what you're missing. I mean, eventually they might do that. You know, it's really, it's, it's, it's really, you know, great coaching, at least, uh, you know, in my experience, which is now going on 25 years is 
helping the client see what they can't see, right? And letting them really discover it themselves. And the reason for that is because when they discover it themselves, it's far more impactful, right? When they have that aha moment. I agree with you. You know, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm certainly not here to criticize your coach. I'm sure he's very, very good, but it's, it's just a different, it's a different approach. Yeah. Yeah. I think a coach is someone which I feel like you are right. I agree with you in certain extent. What I'm just saying that they also, once they know your weakness, they will keep reminding you and then give you certain direction. Definitely. But in yeah. the early days, yeah. like probably, like I, I have seen the leadership in our team and I do mentor some of the people not paid anything mm-hmm. like that, but they mm-hmm. do not realize that how much a coach can, can make a difference to your That's company's right. ca- uh, in the future. Yeah, there's there's no question about that. A great a great coach will really transform how you do business. And it's not just business, it's also personal. Yeah. It'll also help transform your personal relationship. Yeah. So, um, okay, great. So tell me a little bit about Shahed, about what the competitive nature of your business is. I mean, it is a very competitive field. Like there are, I think on Clutch, about 300,000 companies registered. Clutch is a directory where all the software development agencies, web development. Uh, so if you are thinking about that if I'm targeting a client in US, there are, I mean, how many emails you receive from web development, web design? More than I'd like to count. Yes. So it is a very competitive field. Uh, however, we target a very specific niche, as I told you, that we have a New York based team and we have a yep. specific problem we are trying to solve. We are not telling them, mm-hmm. telling you that I can do the best website or best web application for you. I'm telling you that my team can over communicate and listen to you more and provide you quality solution to you. So I'm not mm-hmm. providing you the cheapest solution. I'm providing you mm-hmm. a good experience and I can make you successful. So it is yeah, competitive. Well, you get what but- you pay for often, not always, but often. Yes. Yeah. So. Um, what would you say are the biggest challenges that you're facing both with within your company and your industry? And are your competitors facing the same challenges? Um, I would say our biggest challenge is not knowing that what is coming on our way, the pipeline problem, right? Mm. Uh, we may have uh, a lot of work today and the project mm-hmm. will end. And then probably January on, there are a lot of resources to be sitting, which I have to pay salary, right? So that kind of put a lot of people in uncomfortable situation. I've been talking mm-hmm. to a lot of uh, agency owner. Um, I manage a podcast uh, on managecoda.com. And mm-hmm. I talk to only agency owner, like on our industry. And this is a common problem that lack of lead or not knowing what will come on our way. Mm-hmm, other mm-hmm, problem mm-hmm. I see from the other agency owner and even my competitor that not having enough recurring revenue that, you know, the kind of mm-hmm. industry we are in, some of the companies right. may have 100K revenue in January, in March, 20K, but your cost is right. 50, 70K. So, right. you know, how do you take your company from, you know, $30,000, you know, average revenue and then you make it re- recurring revenue like 50,000 every month for rest mm-hmm. of the year 
And that is the biggest challenge we are facing. Yeah. And and that's really hard, you know, when you're doing that. And it's funny, I, I just reached out to my web designers yesterday because there's some things that we need to do. Um, and, you know, I mean, the, the, the main revenue he got from me is when he rebuilt my site, right? And, you know, there's been a couple of little pieces along the way and there will still be, but, but, you know, it's, it, it, you're right. The, the, the challenge is once somebody has the project done, it's not going to be that amount of money every single month from that same customer. So you need to create a lot of pipeline. You need a strong mm-hmm. biz dev initiative, marketing right. initiative. So you always have pipeline coming on your way. Yeah. And that is a hard job because we are always thinking, that's why I think the, like the software companies are getting bigger now, right? In by 2030, the whole I was reading uh, a po- I'm listening to a podcast, and the author was mm-hmm. saying that every Excel file will be an application by 2030 or 2040. So that means a lot of need, but Ooh. there is also a problem that you know the industry is growing, but the companies think that oh they can just run like a bootstra- bootstrap and start up. No, you need to have mm-hmm. a structured company. You need to have an HR team to hire good talent. You need to have Base depth to get you business all the time. Mm-hmm, you need mm-hmm. to have a leadership team, uh, you know, coached by maybe a, you know, leadership person to grow your company to the next level because the challenges coming on your way would be a lot harder also. Yeah, no, I got it. So uh, looking, looking at that a, a little bit more, um, where do you find, you know, as you're talking about, you know, lead gen and your pipeline, are you doing outbound marketing, inbound marketing, referrals? Like where do, where's your business coming from? So there are three ways we generate business. The number mm-hmm. one way for the last 20 years, we, the existing client base, those whom we worked over the years, we call something called lead follow-up. So yep. we keep in touch with them. Not necessarily we mm-hmm. sell them anything. Maybe yep. I have done your website and then a few months later I was, hey, Carol, how, how are things? Just keeping yeah. in touch. So it's yeah, a lead yeah, follow-up. The second mm-hmm. thing, we do a lot of outbound campaign, but specifically telling them specific need. So we don't just go ahead and tell them, listen, we provide. No, we will look into your website <laughs> and see your WordPress yeah. version is not up to date. Can we provide you and upgrade you? So that's the outbound email mm-hmm. campaign we run. We have eight, 10 members are working on BizDev outbound mm-hmm. email. And on inbound, we have a marketing team. We do a lot of webinar. We do um, a lot of um, article writing. um, And we are listing ourselves on different places. And social media is a big place right now. We are trying to do. But these are consistent efforts for five SEO is another place. But Mm -hmm. you cannot find a result within like six months. That's where I get a lot of requests from people. How do you get all this business? You actually have to start. You know, if you want to get more inbound leads, you need to yeah. start right now. And three years later, you may get some. That I mean, that's exactly right. A lot of people don't realize that, you know, they think, well, I'll just spam out a bunch of people through email or LinkedIn, you know, and, and we'll get a lot of business. That's not an effective strategy. It does take a long time. And content is king. Exactly. Without without question. I think I was listening to a, um, another podcast and a guy was saying that imagine the way you are sending email. And then it's almost like you met a girl on the street and say, I want to marry you. It's oh, almost course. like it's that. Ridiculous. that where people are yeah. rushing to you by sending a LinkedIn message and email. Hey, give me your business. 
It doesn't yeah, work I, like I that. People even, need yeah. to, you need to build a trusting relationship. And yes. then it takes few years to build the relationship. And then you can probably mm-hmm. send an email and you may get some response. Yeah. And this is, this is, I would say, the lowest common denominator in a business like yours, in a business like mine, in many, in many businesses that aren't selling a widget, for example, right? Or a thing. You know, you're selling service. And services, you know, for all, all the years b- way back when, when I was still in the search industry, I would say to people all the time, you know, if a client was looking for somebody to sell, you know, whatever product, I would say you cannot put a services person into there. It's a totally different sale. Exactly. You also cannot put a product person into a services sale. It's very, they're just distinctly different. Yeah. And it's not that it's, it's not that a product sale doesn't take time. It does, but it, it's very, very different than selling, selling a service. And, you know, the, con- is, you know, the content, the social media, being on podcasts, you know, if you think it's going to take less than two years, you're delusional. <laughs> exactly. I think Dory Clark came out with a book recently, The Long Game. And one of the chapters, it talks about that when you go to a networking event, what do you expect? Yeah. And she was saying that, she goes to the networking event yeah. and I have seen the same case. I don't try to sell people. I try to get That's to right. know them, having a conversation and mm-hmm. then try to help them. Business mm-hmm. is result of helping people and build a relationship. It's not that you That's sell right. business and build a relationship. No, you actually right. build a relationship, try to help them some way and then eventually they will come to you. I cannot emphasize so many times my biggest customer came from people I probably met and they look for some information. Mm-hmm. I gave it to them and they called me, hey, mm-hmm. if I had any day advice on these and they come back to me. So a lot yeah. of my customers yep. come through because of my the job I have done 10 years ago, 12 years ago. That's right. Yeah. I, 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 I hear this consistently um, from people that are selling services. I mean, is literally, I believe it is the lowest common denominator in success. And if you are unwilling to make to take that time to build those relationships, you have no business being in the business. Other point I want to mention since you brought this yep. point that people do forget that our company's motto, employee happiness, generate client success. I'm a yeah. fanatic supporter for that, that I yes. have to make a client successful. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah. If you don't do it, ultimately you lose that client. But if you, mm-hmm. even certain cases, I remember a client came to me a long time back that they were running a pharmacy mm-hmm. and they want to be, build a website. I said, I can easily build a website for you, but you are competing with CBS and Duane Reed. You have no chance. Save that money, just make a promotional website. And she called him, she gave me five more referrals. She said, you are the honest person I ever met because you wanted my good and you didn't want to grab that right. $10,000 check from me. Yeah. So you have mean, to always do that. Whatever good mm-hmm. for people, start doing it and business will come your way. You, you know, and, and what you, what in part, what you have just described is what it is to be a talent centric organization. And, you know, a lot of people say they're customer centric. Well, you cannot have customers. You cannot be customer centric, customer centric if you are not talent centric first and foremost. Yeah. It cannot happen. Is it? You, you have to have a focus on your people. You know, you have to focus on your recruitment strategies, your retention strategies, your succession strategies, your leadership strategies and your employee development strategies. Yeah. If you don't do those things, you will never be customer centric. Yeah, I think um, it has to come naturally, though. Like when we started building the team in India and other places, 
Me and Shahira mm-hmm. were literally calling people and personally asking, giving them a lot of things which we didn't need to do. Even at today's right. date, sometimes people reach out, just talk to them, understand mm-hmm. their personal side of it, right? End of the day, all the employees who are joining the organization, they have certain dreams. If you make their dreams come true, your company will be successful. If you help yeah. them to develop their career to the next level. Uh, so we create that kind of environment where we created an university inside the company. When people are brought in, they were trained into certain uh, courses and we have continuous mm-hmm. development class every week. I um, know. Uh, when as a CEO, I get questions by many people that why I'm spending so much money on people, they leave, right? I always oh, tell gosh. them, so if I don't invest, are they not going to leave? So employee development, keeping employee happy should be CEO's number one job, I, I feel. Yeah, yeah. I, again, you're not going to get an argument out of me. Um, do you have an ideal client? Uh, yeah, we... Call something red velvet client in our organization. So when a client comes okay. through our pipeline, uh, there are a few areas. Um, we actually target mostly in U.S. East Coast area and Europe. Mm-hmm. Okay. However, that is hmm. financial side of it. It doesn't matter, right? Whether they are a startup, we target a lot of startup, yeah. but we are also vendor for Johnson & Johnson, Jensen Pharma and clients like that. Right. But for mm-hmm. me... Like what I have seen that ideally a client stays with us when they behave better. I mean, they win, they understand us. What, what I mean by that, a client mm-hmm. coming to me, knowing that my team members are in India or other part of the world, they cannot be working for you at 5 p.m. or responding to you at 7 p.m. Also... Your time, you mean? Yeah, or our their time. time. That means they are 2 a.m. Yeah. in the morning. I mean... I, they, I know. I always wanted to clarify that. Yeah. Other part is that... You being rude with my client means I'm not going to keep you. We've been firing That's our right. client, you know, for asking to work over time, asking to work on the weekend. I don't suggest that I don't work on the weekend. I want to have my employee a good work-life balance, and I really mean mm-hmm. it. So a mm-hmm. ideal client will have to understand us a little bit better, that, you know, you are communicating with team members remotely. Yeah. You know, you cannot just tell us one line and get things done. You have to jump on a call Mm -hmm. or give us enough explanation so we can get the job done. I'm training my team member to ask those tough questions to the client. So we over-communicate actually just to solve that problem. Well, you know, I'd I'd rather have somebody over-communicate than under-communicate every day of the week, frankly. I mean, that is how I do things. Yeah. And I think, you know, you're just not going to go wrong with over-communicating. Yeah, I mean, that's why COVID time, we did not have any problem. Because yeah. people were panicking. I've been always remote with my team member also. We have office location in India and Bangladesh, three of them in Ukraine. But when mm-hmm. COVID came in, we were actually perfectly fine. We just right. had to shift 10% you and everything was running smoothly. And we actually grew our business uh, you know, 30% or more. And we became in 5,000 company that time because of the fact that we were running remote office effectively. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I, I think, you know, as I listen, as I think back to, to, you know, all the people I've interviewed in the last year and a half since, since this podcast started, I think you just made a really, you made a really poignant point that, it, it, you know, COVID didn't do anything to our business. In fact, we grew. And I think that 
that most of the people I have interviewed that were already either high, you know, that were already hybrid, you know, with, you know, remote, had remote people working for them were more successful because they were used to it. Yes. Now I'm just, ma- I'm making a blanket generalization here, right? But that seems to be something that I, I have heard from people, which is interesting, you know, and, and the point about, you know, having people in, you know, in India and in the Ukraine and, you know, you're, you're at least on the East coast. So that, you know, you're, you are, cause I have people working for me in Poland, in Ireland, in India, in the Philippines, in, in London. So, you know, and I'm two hours behind you, mm-hmm. right? So I'm even farther away from their time zones than you are. And what I have found myself having to do is, you know, you, you have to, you, it has to be a balance, right? So my gal in the Philippines, who's 14 hours ahead of me, she's the farthest in, t- you know, in time, she's over a half a day ahead. Um, we were having initially calls at eight o'clock my time in the morning, which is 10 o'clock her time. And I'd be like, yeah, we, that you, you shouldn't be up. She goes, no, no, I'm a night owl. I'm working at night anyway. And I said, would it be easier for you if we started doing having our calls at 6 p.m. my time, which is eight o'clock the next morning for her. And she goes, yeah, that would actually be better for me. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not going to kill me once a week or once every two weeks to be on a phone call at 6 p.m. Yeah, I mean, I do it all the time. I mean, some, yeah, some right. of my one-on-one team members, I call at 10.30 in the, at night, so they're 8.30 mm-hmm. or 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. You know, and we alternate week, they stay late and I right. do it on my business. And right. I think... It's all yeah. about flexibility. As a leader, I yes. think you cannot be saying, they you know what, I'm going to be dominating these things. You are getting benefit mm-hmm. out of these team members and they are your mm-hmm. partners in your business, right? But yeah, you need to treat right. them equally. That's what uh, yeah. me and Sarah have been doing and we encourage our clients to be a little more flexible sometimes. Got it. Uh, what would you say are your biggest opportunities and or threats in your industry? I think the opportunities are, I see this even, I feel bad sometimes saying the recession time actually is a good opportunity for our kind of business. Because mm-hmm. a lot, in 2008, I remember that a lot of uh, companies probably got rid of people and they need more resource from yeah. outside for temporarily. So we right. got a lot more opportunities. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, when we thrive actually in 2000, after 2008, I'm hoping right. this will happen. I think we built a company with strong culture and people mm-hmm. stay longer with us. So instead of hiring internal people, people can, I would not say that we are the cheapest, but we at least provide can quality service to the client. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of, um, you know, things. But I think the threat for our business um, is pretty much that leadership in a way that, you know, mm-hmm. in order to grow, can I build another an up leadership team member, you know, mm-hmm. and which can sustain for a long time. You know, I've been running this business for almost 19 years now, 18 years yeah. plus. So I'm looking for next level of leadership who will take our responsibility away from me. Yeah, right. Um, how would you, you've talked a little bit about, you know, the diet work on the weekends. I want my employees to have work-life balance. How do you describe your culture? Because that's part of your culture. Yes. Um, so we actually have, uh, we built our company culture based on uh, HubSpot culture about nine years ago. 
what we did, we actually looked into characteristic of the people in the company mm. and pick four, five, two, three of them. And then we asked all the senior leadership team, like about 30 at that time, that submit me one character you have it, which you think should be part of the culture. Right. So our culture point has six points and this culture point really defined the company. Be humble, work to make clients successful, work as a team, help each other, grow your career. And what we do actually inside the SDI that I spend literally a lot of time on building the cultures. And there are three steps which I have taken. Of course, reminding them everywhere. Um, when we are from interview process, culture onboarding done by Shahara, that means we explain what SD cultures are. We have a slide mm -hmm. and full presentation, all the six culture yep. points. If somebody is not fit into this culture point, we literally don't hire them. That's right. And we remind yeah. them their growth and, you know, everything happened because of the culture alignment. And mm -hmm. while they're in the company, every month, uh, me and my manager have smaller team meeting. So we give them a video. Let's, let's watch about, you know, grow, grow your career. Right. And they talk about, so we kind of question each other whether culture points are lived in the company. And then we take mm -hmm. survey every month whether culture is lived in the company and how we are going to improve on it. Mm -hmm. So it is an mm -hmm. ongoing process, but that culture point is really helping our company to solve a lot of problems I see in the other companies. Mm -hmm. That means when we are making a decision, like let's say today we had a meeting and the first question on the meeting on management team that to make a decision about person that is he culturally mm -hmm. fit? And what we found mm -hmm. out that he is a very culturally fit person, but he was not doing good on certain areas. So we are going to give him opportunity to fix that right. problem. So culture mm -hmm. should be, you know, it's just like it is the core part of any company. If you, you know, really practice it, your company can thrive. Of course. Well, it's listen, it's like anything. It's, you know, it's like a good marriage, right? Yeah. You're, you can't get anywhere if you don't work on it. You can't just say, oh, okay, we went we went to marriage counseling and now we're fixed. <laughs> yeah. Talking about culture you know. also, I think that one of yeah. the other part, which is um, community, um, you know, help, right? One of the things mm -hmm. I have noticed that a lot of uh, team members right now working remotely and their morale yeah. is down. And like a, a common question I got from a lot of leadership team, oh, my team is not motivated. They are not working. <laughs> right? Uh, they don't do deliver work on time. Yeah. I think it is there's, on the there's leadership always three, team. What, four fingers it. pointing back at you when you're pointing at someone else. Yeah, 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 yeah. So <laughs> I think what I found out that basic human being people, leadership team needs to do, right? Are you thanking yeah. team members on Slack? Maybe sending an email to a smaller group. Hey, you have done a great job. And these are basic fundamental things where leadership team is not doing it not appreciating. We have employee mm -hmm. of the month, right? Uh, HR should do those uh, Zoom. Right now we are back in hybrid model. So we have activity and we send team member to one office location, location to other mm -hmm. office location. I mean, there are, you know, you have to spend money on doing it. And sometime probably on leadership team think that I can save money by saving from employees, but you are actually hurting yourself. Eventually, your yeah, productivity will go down because you haven't done mm -hmm. spending money on employees, mm -hmm. their career growth, sending not you know not sending them to any event, uh, sending them to outside dinner maybe, 
or sending them some mm-hmm. holiday gift and stuff like that. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that. I, I, I think it was last week I heard a story that I don't remember if I read it or if I heard it uh, on the radio um, on NPR. I just can't remember. Um, and they were saying that, you know, Elon Musk is planning on on getting rid of 75 percent of Twitter employees when that deal closes. If if and when that deal closes, let me say that at least. And I thought to myself, huh, what do you think that's going to do for employee morale? I don't know. I mean, how long do you think that other 25 percent of the people that are there are going to stay around? I don't know. I, think- I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll all find out when we find out, right? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, my prediction would be there'll be a mass exodus of those 25%. I mean, who wants to work for somebody like that? Uh, you <laughs> know, company like Costco, you know, Starbucks, and, you know, there are other people, HubSpot. I think there are a lot of good leaders, even Disney yes. CEOs, you know, Microsoft CEO, and all these people, they probably have, you know, figured out another way. You know, you mm-hmm. can do things in multiple ways. I have no disrespect for Elon Musk or this kind of leadership. Mm-hmm. They figured out mm-hmm. one way of doing things, but I admire those other leaders yes. who has done... I agree. Like, because, yeah. you know, I, I don't want to work 16 hours a day. Neither I want my employees to work. Yeah. What is your ultimate goal? Like, you know... Do you want to become mm-hmm. the richest person in the earth or you want to become, you know, someone who wants to go to bed peacefully, and, you know, things right. like that. So yeah. It's actually every leader has to decide mm-hmm. their true north. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that whole conversation is a whole separate conversation because I could go on about that for a while. Yes. Um, so so you've got about 170 employees now spread uh, throughout the globe uh, in about five locations, I believe. Um what would you, where would you say you've, you've seen your biggest challenges in your talent strategy? I mean, you've talked a lot about without actually saying, here's my talent strategy, but you've talked about what your talent strategy is, right? So, um, where have you seen challenges in your talent strategy? I think the ACAR problem, right? The employees, some certain departments, certain leaders are reaching to a point where, uh, they're not growing. They probably uh, good enough five years ago. Uh, yep. Even yep. I feel like sometimes I need to go to the next level and probably mm-hmm. I need to learn a lot more or figure out things mm-hmm. a lot more. And mm-hmm. it's not that I'm blaming them. Maybe I could not figure out a way to take them from, you know, five mm-hmm. to 10. They, they were right, pretty right. good from zero to five. And yes, that, that's a, that's a big challenge. Yes. Right. Zero to five, probably I figured yep, out yep. now taking them to five to 10, maybe they ran out of energy. Mm-hmm. So I need new mm-hmm. talent. I need new leaders to bring in and groom them who mm-hmm. will be taking our agency, our soft, our company to the next level. So right. yeah, that's... that leadership challenge is always there. Uh, I'm yep. always thinking about it. How do, how do I make them Go to the next step. Got it. No, that's that's actually fantastic. What would you say is is there any outdated advice in your industry, and what is it? <laughs> I have to imagine there is. One advice a lot of people are giving out is profit first. Um, yeah, you know yeah. that you have to make a lot of profit. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The margin thirty five, and comparing with other companies that you know you have worked so hard that you have to make some profit. Uh, so for me, I think 
unrealistic expectation people are setting for um, this industry specifically that, you know, when you are telling people that go make profit first, you know, you are Mm -hmm. actually, how they're going to do it? They're going to hurt employees Mm -hmm. or they will try to charge client too much. So both sides, the reason for service industry has been there for so long, right? Yeah. Whether it's IBM and it's not a new market, right? Uh, Right. In a new market, we're doing a new service, but service industry has been there. So I think the biggest, uh, I see this around all the time that people are Mm -hmm. profit hungry too much. People are money hungry on this industry. They think that they can make quick money just like startup. Yeah. Unfortunately, service industry is not like startup that you can have 83% profit like a startup. And startups are not, you know, it's a fluke also sometimes. How many startups yeah. you know, they are successful and making profit for a long time. And they are not, yeah. most of the service companies are not investor driven. They are mostly accidental entrepreneur. They worked hard, they figured out a way and they are growing. Uh, so that's their company. If they believe in, it will pay them long run, but it, mm-hmm. it will not make them quick million dollars. Yeah, that's uh, amen to that. Uh, what's your day-to-day look like as a leader, Shahed? Um, I usually wake up early in the morning around eight. Uh, and then... You wake up at eight? Yes. I go <laughs> you, to bed a little that's, late. That's the middle of the day for me. <laughs> I know. Uh, 7.40 to eight. Uh, <laughs> I make great. my own breakfast every day while listening to mm-hmm. podcast or a book. So I finish three to five yeah. books every month uh, on kitchen. Yeah, great. You know, I make my breakfast and then uh-huh. I join team, uh, you know, meeting 8.30 onward. I try to work not after 4.30. 4.30 is my last meeting. So mm-hmm. most of the time, if I go to office, I go three, four days a week. I come back home at uh, 2.30 or 3 and work for an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mm-hmm. finish my day at 4, 4.30. At night, only two days a week I work um, for yep. an hour. Just um, join um, my team members meeting. As an mm-hmm. entrepreneur, though, like I like faced some health problem five years ago and I used to work 16 hours, 15 hours a day. And then I realized uh, health is very important. So yeah. I exercise middle of the day. We have a trainer from 9.30 to uh, 10.30, me and Sahara join uh, two, two days mm-hmm. a week. Uh, we try to eat good food and then I play table tennis three times a week, one day oh, badminton fine. and then... A lot of yeah. activity, honestly. I learned swimming when I was Good. 38. So I swim uh-huh. once a week at least. So I think leadership is more about, I realize that health is more important than even work right now. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad to hear you say that. It, and it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because um, I just received my topics for my newsletters for next month. I send out two newsletters a month. And one of them is specifically on this topic about you know, really taking the time that you need for yourself. Because if you don't do that, I can't tell you how many, how many, you know, founders I've talked to that have, you know, I worked 16 hour days. The next thing I knew I had a nervous breakdown or I got sick or, you know, something else like that. And I literally just couldn't function. So I had to start really looking at what made the most sense for me. And, you know, there's too little, I think there's too little importance placed on (laughs) self-care. Yes. 
in spending time with family. I think. Um, yes. I, well, I, that's self care, in my opinion. Yeah, we've been very lucky. Me and Shara, totally. we always pick up our kids. She does actually most of the time, but they have seen us at home most of the time since we work yeah. mostly from home, but a few days mm-hmm. in the office right now. But I still Great. feel when you have a good family life, you will do a lot better at work. I truly believe mm-hmm. in that. And take yeah, a lot well, of amen to that. Yep. Yep, I I completely agree. So um, if somebody listening to this loves your point of view, loves your attitude, loves what you're up to, you know, is is an over communicator (laughs) and they're thinking, I'd like to investigate working for this company, what should they do? Uh, They can go to the website as janeerration.com and we have a career page. Uh, They can also connect Mm -hmm. with me on LinkedIn. I also okay. manage a blog for other entrepreneurs like me for only for agency owner, managecoder.com. And, you know, LinkedIn is the best way to communicate with me if they want to reach out to me. Great. Is there anything that I haven't asked you, anything that you want to leave us with before we sign off? Mm, I can't recall anything, but uh, definitely it has been a pleasure talking to you and you are doing an amazing job talking to other people. I, I actually subscribe to your podcast and we're going to listen a lot of old episodes. Well, thank you very much. Well, uh, with that said, Shahad Islam, uh, co-founder and CEO of SJ Innovation, thanks so much for being with me. Thank you. Thank you, Carol. Thank you for listening to Authentically Successful. If you are a successful founder or CEO who would like to be on this program, please visit verticalelevation.com slash podcast slash apply. If you learned something from this interview and it made a difference, please share it on LinkedIn or Twitter. You can also do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend. And if you know of someone who would be a great guest, tag them on LinkedIn or Twitter to let them know about the show and include the hashtag authentically successful. I love seeing your posts and great suggestions. Lastly, we are regularly putting out new episodes and content. And to make sure you don't miss any episodes, please subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to our website, verticalelevation.com, or follow me on LinkedIn. This is Carol Schultz. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.